should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. I'm getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book. You can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Oh, and welcome to Not Your Grandmother's Book Club Podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because we can't get an hour on cable in prime time, even with our good looks and incriminating evidence. <laughs> My incriminating name. evidence against us, or... Don't ask questions. My <laughs> name is Kevin, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Benedict, who's such a great listener. He's such a great listener. Benedict! What alternative mode of transport that's not public transit or a car... Would you most prefer? Sorry, I wasn't listening. Can you repeat it? Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not public transport or a car, did you uh-huh. say? Yeah. Uh, I guess a bike. I, oh, like Just a bike? Yeah, just go with uh, well, boring? Uh, with just a yeah, bike? Yeah, or like a, I mean, I don't know. like a Not even like yeah. an e-bike? Yeah, an e-bike. Let's say an e-bike. Okay. Sure. Yeah, I'll take an I e-bike. can see you zipping around on an e-bike. Yeah, I can do that. Very hipster. little, very minimal effort on my. Got to get you to grow that mustache. You really have always been. Yeah, wanting. I just can't grow facial <laughs> hair. Six, I, I would have it if I could. You heard it here first. Benedict is a soft boy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> me, so, soft boy, soy boy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's all that soy I ate between the ages of seventeen and twenty. It really stunted my. Just development. sitting with a bowl full of soy, just. <laughs> <laughs> just edamame beans just like um... <laughs> i miss when the right thought soy boy no, was an still insult a thing. It's still i mean a thing, no that, come sure. on i think they've moved on from no i i genuinely believe that 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 went from the like bleeding edge of like edgy right and now mm-hmm. it's just a mainstream right thing that people on the right thing but i think they say it ironically now because they maybe, used to fucking maybe. mean it. They used to fucking believe the stupid bullshit about soy and estrogen and all that nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Like, and now I think even they realize this is kind of fucking stupid, but we're still going to say it because maybe. we have to pretend we're edgy and funny. Yeah, I think maybe. that's the way it's gone. Maybe, it's maybe amongst the edgy right, I genuinely believe that it's still a thing that people think. I mean, yeah, boomers on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Boomers on Facebook indeed. And um, what about you? What's your? Thank what's you, your, Ben. What's your? What's your? <laughs> You're forgetting can, can that ninety percent of your listen. job on the show is to ask, "What about you?" Yeah. Can I? Can I just say before the show, I was like, Kevin, you'll be pleased to know, I left my phone in the other room so I can be fully engaged with you. Yeah. And Kevin and you're completely said, losing focus now. Kevin said, and I quote, "I don't fucking care. I'm doing this shit without you." <laughs> With or without you, so you're just along you. for the fucking ride. Like, that's, that's it. I'm just here to listen and like I crack an occasional <laughs> one-liner. <laughs> Anyways, uh, my preferred mode of transport. I was looking into this the other day. That's why this question came up. I found that there are these little things. They're cars. They're sort of a car. They're a three-wheeler, but they have two seats and like a tiny little motorcycle engine, and oh, they're wait, fully okay. covered. And they get like you know sixty miles a gallon or something insane like that, and look dangerous as all hell. Probably would die. And you are not safe if you are hit by anything. If you hit a bug, oh, yeah. your entire the vehicle bug. thing you're in will explode, and you will <laughs> die on the freeway. But it looks like so much fun to drive around it. I would totally fuck around with one of those. And you can park anywhere because they are tiny. They are smaller than smart cars. They are just I'm yeah. I I'm think literally I've been, been about around tiny. for a while. I think. 
I know, but they didn't make it over to the U.S. Really? Oh, didn't they're, they? Yeah, they're like there's a couple very, of European feels very companies. European, yeah. yeah, there's a couple of European because there's sort of it's along the lines of like a Vespa kind of thing, right? Yeah, you know, it's yeah, like yeah. that. There's a couple of European companies that make them. They hadn't really made it to the U.S. And I was like looking, like, could I get one of these in the U.S.? Because they're also only like six grand or something. And so you could get one and drive it around, and and yeah, I, I would be totally down for that. Totally down for that. You would die. I'd probably die. And anyway. there, would be, there, there would be no podcast. <laughs> Anyways, Benedict, uh, you probably know, but some of the people out there, they might not know exactly what it is that we do here on this program. But I will say, this is the show where we go deep, 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 deep to plumb the depths of right-wing thought by reviewing a chapter from work of conservative nonfiction and in between taking a look at other examples of the right doing their best to make America hate again. Benedict, to start us off, do you have a hot take for us this week? I do, I do. And it I is actually hot, a hot, hot take. Hot. It I is said a, it like a, you say it. A hot take. Yeah, no, it's a hot cheese take, in fact. Ooh, um, cheese. In the, in, in the sense that uh, this take brought to you by the fact that I had a cheese steak for lunch. And it's it is... The, 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 <laughs> this uh, take brought to you by Velveeta Corporation. <laughs> Literally. It is that Cheese Whiz is both disgusting and awful and also has no right to, to be as good as it is. Oh, like, it's so that fucking is, good. That is, it's so good. Spray a whole so, can in my mouth. I don't so give a shit. fucking disgusting. I don't give a shit. Spray what, it in my mouth. I'm all what about the, it. The, 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 I don't know if there's anything more american than cheese in a can like i think that oh, yeah. might be like the enduring image of america mm, for mm. you know like in in like six thousand years when people are doing like archaeology on american society because they've human humans are finally <laughs> developed again after the nuclear holocaust and they'll be like this is some kind of cheese can product did they worship this yes cheese, it seems like cheese they did. whiz cheese yeah, whiz yeah, exactly. did they think this made them more intelligent <laughs> no no they did not <laughs> Um, it they may, gave maybe it to their the peasants. most the most stupid food that has ever existed. Hey, I for one will never stand up for the intelligence of American food, only for its deliciousness. All right, what's your hot cheese take? Uh, I demand it be related to cheese. Unfortunately, Benedict, uh, not related to cheese today. Uh, mine yeah. is let the kids fuck around. Um, oh yeah, there's a bunch of kids here in downtown St. Louis who g- grab like all the scooters off the sidewalks. There's like a group of like 30 or 40 kids, hooligans, if you will, Hmm. who will just jump on all the scooters and drive them all around town and just like block streets, annoy drivers. And so the other day I was looking out the um, window of my apartment and I live in like what passes for a high rise in St. Louis, right? It's like 20-ish stories. So I was looking down on the streets below and I saw like five paddy wagons and like 30 cops swoop in on this giant group of kids and try and get them all. They didn't get fucking one of them. They just got on the scooters and took off and the cops couldn't fucking catch them. (laughs) Separately, my other hot take is those scooters shouldn't fucking be there. Hey, but, I don't. Fine. I'm not a huge lover of the scooters, but the kids have fun with them. Fine. They're not. They're not. They're, look, the only thing that worries me is that the kids are going to get hit by a fucking car, which they I'm, probably will in the well, house society. And I'm also more worried about one of those fucking cops killing one of those fucking kids yeah, than I am about them fucking fine. around on the streets with the scooters. I yeah. honestly am. So let the kids fucking be. Just, yep. just let them fucking be. Yep, fair enough. But housekeeping this week, Benedict, remember all to rate and review us on the iTunes. Uh, follow us on the social medias at NYBGCPod on Twitter and at NYGBCBen, stupid handle on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, updates, uh, just one little one. Of course, I mentioned last week that we have the page. I just want to remind everyone, really, this is uh, just a redo of that update, uh, that the patron-only Dummycrats episode is now available. And that uh, coming up in the... truly a fucking nightmare for me. Really, really. Benedict suffered. I think it's the most patron engagement we've ever got on an episode, though. I mean, like, <laughs> People really like that one. 
for whatever reason, they enjoy your suffering. Yeah. Uh, but we'll be releasing some of that for everyone on the regular feed soon. I think I'll do like 30 minutes of it uh, in the next couple of weeks. As soon as I have time to sit down and figure out what chunk of that I want to put out, I'll try and put that out. But anyways, Bennett, we have some individuals who deserve some recognition for their own uh, pursuits. Are you, are you talking about the, uh, the spooky New World Order? Spooky World, New World Order. Yeah, okay. Of course yeah. I am. And uh, this week we have to induct... Tinker's Dam, mm. who sent me a fantastic link to an interview with the current president of Regnery Publishing, uh, which we all know has been one of my uh, my little bugaboos on this show, is this weirdo company that Benedict and I have given way too much money to mm. uh, that publishes the worst of the worst of right-wing books. And it was very interesting. Uh, so uh, I, I don't think I actually remembered to retweet that, but I will retweet that if you want to go listen to that as well. I did find it sort of interesting. This guy is way too boring to be putting out as evil of shit as he is. It's mm. really, that's the craziest part of it for me. But Tinker's Dam, you are now part of our New World Spooky World Order. And one additional addition this week to the New World Spooky World Order. An additional uh, addition? Wow. Okay. An additional cool. addition. Uh, someone who does not listen to this show, I am wow. sure, but who I just want Joe to recognize. Biden. <laughs> <laughs> Go get Sir, him, Joe. thank you. Go get him, Joe. We did it, Joe. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, Joe Biden obviously listens to the show. <laughs> yes, we are the perfect boomer podcast. Um, but Michael E. Hayden, uh, who is a journalist at the Southern Poverty Law Center's Hate Watch Project, uh, recently, uh, I think it was like earlier this year or late last year, he did a gigantic multi-part expose on Jack Posobiec. Um, and his links to white supremacy and neo-Nazis and all that shit. And just recently, uh, he had a huge hand in developing the SPLC Center's uh, extremist profile of Jack Posobiec. And it is a work of art. It covers the guy, lays out all the evidence, and it's just brilliant. Um, and uh, Michael Hayden's an amazing journalist. Absolutely incredible guy um, who knows his topic upside down, inside out. So I just want to highlight him because I want people to go check out his work because I think he's so good. Um, and I spent a lot of time reading all the Jack Posobiec mm-hmm. stuff. So anyways, Michael Hayden, you are now part of our New World Spooky World Order. And if you would also like to become part of our New World Spooky World Order, blah, you can, of course, tweet or post about the show on social media, recommending it to others, and send me a screenshot or tag us. Leave us a five-star review wherever you can and drop me a screenshot to let me know. Make a donation to a worthwhile charity, become a patron, or just get my attention with something good. All that sort of stuff works. And Benedict, with all that out of the way, why don't we get into this week's episode, where I have to okay. tell you, somewhere in a dark boardroom sits a group of men <laughs> Men who Dinesh D'Souza would not describe as vaguely Jewish, but even were to say, cast actors to portray them in a film, <laughs> would write in the margins of the casting notes, vaguely Jewish. <laughs> Meanwhile, planes loaded with immigrants and spewing contrails are taking off from secret deep underground military bases. You know, the ones where they keep the kids they use for the adrenochrome, while Hillary, Bill, Obama, and the Biden clone they made president look on from the shadows. And those planes, those planes... They're headed to neighborhoods near you. You know, the suburban white neighborhoods where the Marxists want to zone away your lawns and use public transportation to control where you go and when, stealing away the freedom that is your right as an American to spend tens of thousands on a gas-guzzling economic waste machine that costs a tenth of your paycheck to keep full of gas and maintain while you drive on publicly paid-for roads that go where a city planner decided you would want to go. And meanwhile, Benedict, at the same time, an army of trans-Antifa super 
super soldiers are waiting outside of the next Trump rally to make sure that your child overdoses on fentanyl, also the elite globalist cabal of Illuminati pedophile bankers that funnel money directly from George Soros to the nonprofit activist groups that carry out the dirty work of stealing elections with their Antifas can kill off two-thirds of the world's population so that the interdimensional demons that they think are aliens will allow them to merge with machines and achieve immortality. And the only defense that you have to all of this is to keep listening to this show and become a patron <laughs> at patreon.com forward slash NYGBCpod. I zoned out and thought I was listening to Norm MacDonald for a second. Jesus. Now, if any of what I just said seems weird to you, it's because you are one of the sheeple, the puppets of the elites who just listen to the lying, lamestream media and don't even know about who really did 9-11. The sort can of person I, who just, just say, listens to the CNN trolls, by which I don't mean Jewish. I don't mean Jewish by that. How dare you think that I meant that? But they just look like you wouldn't want to leave them alone with your kids, if you know what I mean. Can I just say, that was a perfectly written bit. I'm very Thank proud you of so you. much. Well Thank done. you so very much. Yep. Thank you so very It might be having something to do with the fact that uh, for many years in my younger life... <laughs> that I was wor- just you? You just no, found your no, old diaries? <laughs> I worked with huge Alex Jones conspiracy theory fans okay. who would just go on... like The the trope that I just did of the string of utter nonsense, mm-hmm. that's a real fucking thing. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, it's that's, cool because you think it's over and then it pivots to a new <laughs> strand. And it's like it's like um, what's it called? Crocheting. You're like you think you're done, and then like some you like loop something out of nowhere. And you're like, oh, that that wasn't there. I'm before, sure that would be now. funny if I knew anything at all about crocheting. <laughs> I also don't know anything. I'm just vaguely making things up. So to actually start us off this week. I want to provide a little bit of detail about what we're going to be doing. So I uh, considered how to do this episode, and like I said on last week's show, conspiracy theories is such a big topic that it's going to be multiple episodes. So this week we're going to... In fact. Yeah. Uh, For this week we're going to talk about, you know, sort of what they are and addressing what I'm going to term sort of classical conspiracies and theorists and more more generally what I'm calling the pre-Jones era of conspiracy the theory. PJ the theory. PJ the PJ if you will and a lot of you know a lot of that sort of stuff we've already talked about we have obviously with all of our John Birch Society so, sorry coverage, actually going by biblical lore it should be the BJ before <laughs> Jones <laughs> very good very good so obviously we've talked about a lot of the the John Birch Society stuff uh, which is you know that is a huge uh, BJ period conspiracy <laughs> right the massive communist conspiracy and all that stuff uh, we're gonna be talking about mainly one conspiracy in particular today that we're going to be focusing on but i think as we go through it you'll see how it ties into a lot of conspiracies that people are probably familiar with um and obviously like i said alex jones is going to come up as the primary reference point for me uh i think because i sort of see there being like i said three periods pre-jones the jones period and the currently transitioning into the post jones period Mm -hmm. uh which i think is probably best epitomized by like QAnon and things like that um but i mean Alex Jones is the biggest conspiracy theorist in the world, unless you consider Donald Jones and, or not Donald Jones, Donald Trump uh, and every other Republican, which I do because they are conspiracy theorists and they are saying pretty much the same things. But Alex Jones has made a career out of it. Well, they Mm. only dip into the well to suit their political purposes. You know what I mean? Mm. So to start... We all know that the right is rife with conspiracies. And I want to address up front any argument that someone would say, which is, no, Kevin, the left is just as into conspiracy theories as the right is, with a big bullshit. Because that is a big bullshit. 
while people on the political extremes are more likely to believe in conspiracies regardless of their orientation, as I've said many times, the big problem is the extreme far right has become the center of the Republican Party, and as such, by numbers, they are far more likely to be uh, the propagators of conspiracy theories in our world today. Yeah, certainly the base of the Republican Party. Absolutely. Not, yeah. By which, and, and what I, I need to clarify a little bit what I say when I mean that the fringe has become the center. I mean that by numbers, but the, the that fringe right-wing thinking has overtaken the the median right wing the vote. national review yeah 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 exactly right. so that that's the base and that's who wins the primaries exactly so that's fair. that's what drives yeah. political thought on the right mm-hmm. and i'm not the only one to notice that these sorts of things are true right a research paper published earlier this year in the journal natural human behavior took data from two studies conducted across a hundred thousand people in europe and found that indeed people on the political extremes of either end are more likely than the average person to believe in conspiracies but they also found that among left-wing people, they are less likely to believe in conspiracy theories when their particular ideology is socially liberal as opposed to nationalistic and authoritarian. Mm. And, I mean, if we all know what the tankies are, and yeah. I think that, that makes a bit of sense to all of us, yep. right? <laughs> that makes um, sense. So basically what you're saying is authoritarianism is the, is the clearest link to... I think that's probably the case, right? And, you know, don't want to go into a huge thing about horseshoe theory, but authoritarianism, nationalism, those sorts of things are the things that connect uh, the the left fringe and right fringe in that horseshoe. It's interesting then because also those things are often about building a narrative that's often like nationalism is kind of a conspiracy theory anyway to my mind mm-hmm. like it, it's yeah. an invented thing that you kind of get everyone to believe in which oh, is yeah, it's exactly all about in-grouping what conspiracy and theories, yeah right. exactly which is exactly what conspiracy theories are it's a it's a a mass in-grouping of sorts of like you know what's really going on and everyone else is either lying to you or fools Right. And so in the United States and also around much of the world, left wing groups have taken on a more socially liberal tone than they have. uh, You know, there are there are less groups that are on the tanky end of the spectrum than there are just more democratic socialist types Mm -hmm. and those that are socially liberal, whereas on the right. As we've discussed on many episodes now, they're openly fascistic, nationalistic, and authoritarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it makes a lot of sense why, especially in the United States, where the left is generally, you know, our, the whole thing on the left is being accepting of all sorts of groups of people and social liberalism, that sort of stuff. Um, even if you just ignore economics on the left-right spectrum, just on the social aspect, it, it makes perfect sense why the right would uh, fall more into conspiracy theories this way. Mm-hmm. Another paper from 2019 titled The Paranoid Style in American Politics Revisited, An Ideological Asymmetry in Conspiratorial Thinking, published in the journal Political Psychology, found that in four different studies that they conducted, that there is a clear, robust, and linear relationship between political conservatism and conspiratorial thinking. And I will link these in the show notes so you can look at them if you want to. Uh, and in addition... I would think that, for obvious reasons, uh, conservatives are more inclined to believe conspiracy theories in the first place, uh, is that political, uh, you know, the political positions pushed by the right uh, to distrust authority, distrust experts, distrust academics, are powerful drivers towards conspiracy thinking. Because mm-hmm. once you are pushed to distrust and disbelieve those people, you have to come up with an alternative explanation. It's the do your own research thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it's once you have to come up with alternative explanations, you know, there's not a whole lot of sense to be made when you're dealing with not truth. So, you know, big webs of nonsense that are behind all this stuff are an easier mm-hmm. way to uh, come to grips with your preferred ideology and how the world works. 
Conspiracies heavily involve motivated reasoning, in which emotional biases lead to justifications and explanations that align with those biases, usually in ways that are counter to the reality of the world. In its modern form, conservatism has taken on, as I said, denial of the real world, through denial of all metrics by which we evaluate the world around us in favor of poorly done reasoning from already corrupted first principles. You know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. climate change, uh, Austrian school economics, which I've always talked about, gun control, basically Mm -hmm. any any issue they have hard positions on cannot be supported by the evidence, only by moral arguments or plain old lies. So that's a big driver on why they move into conspiracy, because they Mm -hmm. don't have facts on their side. We can also see that the official bodies of conservatism have have had incentive to, and actually have, pushed conspiracy theories in very intentional ways. Attacking their enemies with conspiracy theories has basically been the official GOP policy since Obama's birth certificate, you know? So it's not really surprising we would see that continue through from then to now. Mm -hmm. The only... the, The Republican Party in the U.S., and I always... I do want to like call myself out because when I talk about the right, I generally just do mean the GOP, but because, you know, and I understand there are people who do not like the Republican Party who are on the far right and fringe right, but so much of the fringe right is captured by the GOP mm. that, you know, making the distinction every time I bring it up, uh, you know, if I need to make the distinction, I'll make it, but... Um, is it that way it. around or is it the other way around? The GOP <laughs> is captured by the fringe right. I mean... You know, uh, I... I can argue there's a little bit of both going on there, right? I can argue that it began with the GOP appealing to the fringe right to get those votes because they're a minority party who can only win by appealing to the worst instincts of the country and attracting those loons who otherwise might not show up to vote except to fight that Kenyan Muslim who wants to make America a Marxist socialist paradise, right? So it started with that, and over time, as I've said— the problem and the reason why the fringe is now the center is that the true believers started to take over just because numerically they started to overwhelm the people who knew that it was a bullshit line they were pushing, but thought it was just worth it to get the people to show up at the polls and, and punch their names. Right. It's also not a new thing, right? The right being into conspiracies, Richard Hofstadter famously wrote his article and then book the paranoid style in American politics in 1964 mm-hmm. as a reflection of the Republican Party that was at that time being taken over by Barry Goldwater and which had previously been the source of Joseph McCarthy and the Red Scare. Mm-hmm. Um, he recognized that groups like the John Birch Society and others that influenced right wing politics relied on psychological projection and paranoia as a deliberate strategy in order to inspire their voters. And I I highly recommend you read uh, The Paranoid Style. Uh, I'll link it in the show notes so you can check it out if you want. So all that said, Benedict, Mm -hmm. what is a conspiracy theory? What what comes to mind? Do you want me to define it? Or do you want me to give examples? What do you think think it means? Um, Sure, however you want to do it. I I think... well, actually, there's a not to recommend other podcasts, but there was a really good through line episode, um, which is NPR's through line um, mm-hmm. on conspiracy theories, where they talked about a few things like it, it essentially it is the way I would define it is uh, challenging a common mainstream way of thinking with alternative facts in 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 heavy quotation marks or trying to undermine the facts of a case with alternatives or providing people basically questioning official narratives is what I would say it is. That's not bad. I think yeah. that's not bad for an attempt at pulling a definition out, out of my ass, yeah. <laughs> But like, but, but I mean, you know, I know we're going to talk about 
probably 19th century conspiracy theories but but the through line one does a really good job of essentially since the dawn of mass media like they did a really good third of an episode on the american revolution and like the amount of conspiracy theories that for example sam adams was pushing in the sense of <laughs> no but genuinely like the british are coming to kill you tomorrow and like and just putting that in his they put out my Oktoberfest yeah. sampler pack available at costco now uh yeah, I get but it. But you know what I mean? It's, it, it, it's, you know, what is propaganda and what is a conspiracy theory? I think there's probably a fine line there, and it depends mm-hmm. probably on who's doing it. Um, yeah, who's pushing it? If it's someone in power pushing it, it probably leans towards propaganda. If it's someone nominally powerless, it probably leans towards conspiracy theory. But I think there's probably a lot of overlap between the two. Well, I think you wouldn't be surprised to learn that you know, among academia, there are there are still ongoing efforts to even define the term. Are you saying academia theory? hasn't managed to define the term? Wow, Kevin. Well, there are a color lot of me, things. Color look, me shocked. I, I mean, I, I was a political science major in undergrad. I went to UC Berkeley. I learned under some of the finest professors who I absolutely adore. Who couldn't um, decide what democracy is. Well, uh, the, there, it, it is legitimately difficult to define democracy. That is an actual, <laughs> because you, you get down to like, what are the metrics? I know. Right? How much know, democracy makes you, know. you a democracy? But the other one that always cracked me up was that uh, I had a class called War! Exclamation point. That was the name of the class. Fun okay. fun class. Really great class about the politics of war and international relations and stuff like that. But the professor started off sort of this class with I can't define war. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because yep. as it turns out people have a tough time defining war too. Well, but I mean, there's, there's information war that, I mean, that, that's genuinely true. Right, Proper, exactly. Propaganda is information. At what like point the... do skirmishes cross over into warfare? Uh, at what point do we declare a conflict inside a country going from, let's say, a police action to a civil war? There are all these difficulties with that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, academia always has these problems of cri- trying to describe things and not being able to. And I have to say, um, because of the wide variety and incoherence of many conspiracy theories, <laughs> it makes it difficult to define them in any one consistent way. Mm. But we need to at least clarify at the outset that conspiracies are a real thing, right? In the sense yeah. that multiple people do get together to plan and coordinate to carry out plans, crimes, you, and or schemes. How do you feel about distinguishing between propaganda and conspiracy theory? I think so. I think there's a difference in that conspiracy theories are usually bottom up, yeah. whereas so propaganda is what usually I, what top I, down. What I said the then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I okay. think that's usually a pretty useful we're, we're, distinction. We're happy with my distinction of, of propaganda. Although, if propaganda is absorbed by the public and propagated, it can become a conspiracy theory. Yeah. I mean, well, I, don't, I mean, I know we're going to talk about the protocols of the elders of Zion, but like mm-hmm. that's top down. Like yeah. that was pro- that was propaganda more than a conspiracy theory, but yeah. then became a conspiracy theory mm-hmm. as as the top that pushed it disappeared yeah. and it filtered back up through society. Anyway, I'm sure you're going to talk about all that. The longest running propaganda slash conspiracy theory, probably, uh, well, maybe the blood libel is older, but we'll talk about that the a little bit. Blood too. libel is definitely older. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> is a, that is a from zero AD thing. Yeah. It's basically from, Hey, uh, those guys over there, we don't like them. Let's say they killed our kids. Let's yeah. do that. Uh, but anyways, so, if you run across the type of person who believes in some wackadoo bullshit and you start talking to them about conspiracy theories and you use the phrase conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. they'll usually try to come back at you with some stupid shit like just because it's a conspiracy theory doesn't mean it's not true. 
or like Watergate was just a conspiracy theory that was proven true. Well, that, but that the thing is, and you called me cynical last last week, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna do my best to uh, push back against it. Like that is genuinely true. Like it that is, is genuinely true. It is no, but technically but, but, true. but again, like the, the not to keep going back to it, but the three line episode, like there was a conspiracy theory about um, like ethanol versus methanol. Like and people were just putting during prohibition, and people were just putting methanol in in drinks, and people were dying yeah. as a result. And like it does happen. Like it does. Like the the um, what's that? Operation Mincemeat was a conspiracy theory as well. With the that they like faked a dude's death basically, and like with fake instructions that he was gonna that they were gonna land in uh in greece instead of sicily during world war ii and like again that's probably information warfare more than mm-hmm. more than a conspiracy theory yeah. but like that was a that was a conspiracy theory at the time again until oh, it was i mean proven obvi- true. obviously warfare and shit like that is is just ripe breeding ground for conspiracy theory all the time because governments engage in that sort of information yeah. warfare and trickery and stuff and that yeah. provides those sort of gaps in information that allow conspiracies to do what I will say that classic, so-called classical conspiracy theories, as I term them, use, which is like we've seen a lot with uh, the John Birch Society and in our reading of None Dare Call It Conspiracy, take a bunch of information, misinterpret it badly, <laughs> where you just don't know even what the fuck you're talking about anymore, and then apply your own beliefs to the gaps between mm-hmm. that information and the rest of what is known about the world around you, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how you can basically fill those in and create the conspiracy theory you want to have. We saw a ton of that, where they're like, he would cite to a document, or he would cite to like the fact that something is part of the congressional yeah, the record. CFR Because some wacko read it into the record, right? Yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. All that stuff is sort of classical conspiracy making. And then you get into like what I will call the newer conspiracies, the post-Jonesian conspiracies, mm. which is like the QAnon stuff, which has like zero connection to reality whatsoever. It's based yeah. just on a bunch of people That's saying fine. some shit. But like, for example, again, just to give to give another example and not to undermine your episode, but like Malcolm Harris, who is a, uh, a like a full communist uh, and a writer who wrote a piece for N plus one called something like it was something like did you know the cia dot 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 and like it's one of those things where it's like i he makes like 10 claims and he's like five of these are true and five (laughs) of them aren't and like you would never know like did you know the cia tried to kill bob marley they actually tried to do that probably um yeah i tried to yeah so the cia also like it really helps conspiracy theorists when the cia has done so many ridiculous fucked up things yeah I mean, so I, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Um, but I'm going to – look, I don't have a definition of conspiracy theories. That's how I'm starting. Okay. I have some characteristics okay. that conspiracy theories tend to follow that I think make it easy to sort of figure out when you're talking. But, but what's the silliest but, conspiracy theory you've ever believed? Oh, the silliest one I've ever believed? Oh, that's t- I mean, like when I was a kid, like, I also, when I was like, I also, <laughs> I also think. Sorry, my 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 one that I'm gonna I'm gonna share, much to my embarrassment, uh-huh. um, is that, and it's like it, there's a difference also between believing and wanting to believe. Um, my my one was that Tupac might be alive. <laughs> like that that was that was my conspiracy theory that i was like at least 50 percent. i like that into. i like that one that's a good yeah. one that's a pretty yeah, good but one. like but like why not it's unprovable like it doesn't hurt anyone that if it's true it's just like a nice oh this musician that i like might yep. be alive i think yeah. like i when i was a kid like you know 10 11 or so so this is even younger 
uh, I wasn't really political at the time, but I was really into like you know those those books about aliens and Bigfoot and shit. Uh-huh. And I think I, at one point I I actually believed in aliens. Uh, I believe in like the you know Area Fifty One, like little and stuff green like man that. aliens. Yeah, I believe like Area Fifty One had happened and the government had covered it all up and all that sort of stuff. Just because probably like I read it in some bullshit conspiracy yeah, book yeah. that was written for children or something like that. That's probably the one. Because a lot of the stuff I believed later on was really toxic. I wouldn't exactly call it funny. My so. my biggest conspiracy theory is that dinosaurs existed. What? <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> but anyways, I need to clarify that conspiracy theory is really a colloquial term for completely insane horseshit nonsense. Mm-hmm. Which is just much more such, polite to use such in good company. Tupac being alive. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so whenever you hear me say conspiracy theory for the rest of the episode, just replace it in your own mind with completely insane horseshit nonsense if that makes more sense. Is horseshit to you. worse than bullshit? Or like which is the like is there a ranking of the animal I, shit? You know, I look bat shit. I only talk, say I horseshit. think that was a there was an opening arguments episode. Bat shit's gross, but it's small, so I guess you yeah. can deal with it. Also, sort of like very bird valuable. Shit. Gu- uh, yeah, guano, 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 there's some money in that there's money yeah. in that shit. <laughs> That's the it's the most probably the most valuable shit, right, Guano? Probably. I mean, yeah. I get they use like other sh- they use horse shit and cow shit for yeah, fertilizer but gu- too. Guano, Guano, I think is like, uh, whole economies know. were propped up on Guano for yeah, a while. That's true. Like, that's true. <laughs> but anyways, all that said, the phrase conspiracy theory does tend to make some sense considering what this completely insane horseshit nonsense usually is. And like I said, we can't apply a succinct Webster style definition to them. But a number of characteristics apply that we typically call to what we typically call conspiracy theories. But the single most common and important defining characteristic that usually binds them all together is the belief that there is a sinister or powerful person or group of people responsible for carrying out the acts that comprise the conspiracy theory, right? Mm. And by sinister group, of course, throughout most of history, we mean the Jews. That's what <laughs> it usually is when it comes down to it. Because anti-Semitism is, is yeah. history's most consistent character oh absolutely that and and racism right yeah. those two things you put them all well, together there's a there's a there's a crossover there isn't it right I mean. right the you know and these are the conspiracists that give our conspiracy its name because the conspiracy theory is no good if you can't blame your personal most disfavored group for it mm-hmm. but another important characteristic about the most popular conspiracy theories even those that originate in anti-semitism and have deep roots in it and are developed most fully by white supremacists is the vagueness about who that actual enemy is. Mm-hmm. And that serves the function of allowing the believer in the conspiracy to insert their own Fill boogeyman. In the blanks, yeah. Right, as well as being an intentional tactic of anti-Semites or other conspiracy peddlers to water down their ideology and trick people maybe more on the normie side into mm-hmm. believing a part of it. And then over time, they can bring them into the more hardcore stuff. Um, and if you think about... You know, some of the most well-known conspiracies and conspiracy peddlers, this is pretty true across the board. Alex Jones, although he names supposed members of his group of boogeymen pretty regularly, uh, really, really heavily relies on the vague term globalists, Mm. which is an entirely nebulous group that cannot be defined intentionally. You cannot define globalists. It's just not possible, especially if you listen to him for more than five minutes at a time. And then think of other terms, right? QAnon's The Cabal, the John Birch Society's mm-hmm. Insiders, or the Communist Menace. And of course, who can forget Glenn Beck's Spooky World, New World Order, blah. So <laughs> all those phrases, you can apply them to whatever group you want, right? If you're an anti-Semite and you hear someone saying that the Communist Menace is the bad guys, well, that's just your Bolsheviks, which by which you mean Bolshevik Jews, because that's mm-hmm. what you're all about. 
right? If you hear the cabal and you're an evangelical Christian, you can connect that to Satanism because mm-hmm. you're a weirdo, right? If you hear insiders from uh, you know Burke Society and you're a nominal, nominally populist far right winger, you can say that it's all the big bankers, and over time you'll be convinced that all those bankers are Jewish. It's just it's it's purposefully vague for all those reasons that we talked mm-hmm. about. Another characteristic of these things that we call conspiracy theories is that they resist falsification and are reinforced by circular reasoning. An example I like to use for falsification is the documentary, in heavy air quotes, Loose Change, Mm -hmm. which is probably still to this day the largest and most popular 9-11 conspiracy video. Um, And the film claims that the powers didn't fall because of planes, but because of explosives that were planted inside. Mm -hmm. And then later on in a different... A different version to claim that it was actually thermite that caused it to fall. It claims that the Pentagon was hit by a missile, not a plane, mm-hmm. and Flight 93 was either shot down by the military or did not crash in Shanksville, but landed in Ohio where all the passengers were disappeared. And the director of Loose Change, Dylan Avery, released the first edition in June 2005, literally put it together on his laptop, and along the way started getting a bunch of mail and comments pointing out all the many things he just got totally wrong in his movie. <laughs> Like, one of the things was he claimed that there was a pod on the underside of the plane which showed that it was a drone, and Mm -hmm. that's how it was done. And as it turns out, that was just like, you know, part of the engine on the other wing being visible through at the angle that you were looking at the plane at and stuff like that. So in December of that year, 2005, they released Loose Change Second Edition, which was also completely wrong and full of absolute nonsense. So in June 2006, they released... Loose Change section, Second Edition Recut, which included such corrections as removing references to rumors of $167 billion worth of gold hidden mm. underneath the World Trade Center. Okay. Correcting the incorrect statement that Flight 77 had Pratt & Whitney engines when it actually had Rolls-Royce engines, which just matters for like specifics of the conspiracy. You don't need to know why that matters. You can go watch this damn thing if you want to. Mm-hmm. And also removing their many citations to Wikipedia articles that they had relied upon. <laughs> among many other things. But in 2007, they released a new version to correct many of their former errors. Loose Change Final Cut, produced by Alexander Emmerich Jones, mm. of course. And around this time, mm. Avery gave an interview where he acknowledged that they kept remaking the movie because they kept getting it wrong. But he portrayed that as a positive, as though it was an attempt to actually get to the truth by like, well, we put up this idea, and then someone smacks that down. So we come up with another idea for how we could be right. (laughs) Then there was um, loose change. There's actually a good piece in the New York Times uh, on... 20 it, as part of their 20 years after 9 11 mm-hmm. series where they yep. look at the legacy of um it's called how a viral video bent reality it's it's worth yep. a read and there's a i believe scientific american or what's that other <clears> one <throat> uh what there's another like popular popular mechanics i think is the one mm-hmm. that did like a breakdown of all the 9 11 conspiracy theories that is always great to look at where they like do the whole thermite thing and they do all that stuff and it's always really great but the whole thing comes down to proving us wrong is not proof that our theory is wrong because there's always another, but what about X claim? And uh, also, we're not making claims, man. We're just asking questions. Yeah. So and nobody's given us the answers. And when they do, we're sticking our fingers in our ears and not listening to those answers. Because we mm-hmm. don't want to hear them. Because we have a predetermined narrative we want to end on. 
But another common characteristic of conspiracies is vague intentions of the conspiracists. And I noted on last week's episode that there is an obsession with power as the Mm -hmm. underlying motivation for the boogeymen, for whoever's talking, right? The right, whenever they're talking about the left, quote-unquote, by which they mean Joe Biden. Um, They always talk about, they just want to control your lives. They want power. Because they think the world exists like bad comic book villains or something. Yep. And it makes sense because none of their conspiracies really make any sense for any other motivation beyond that, right? Think about the COVID uh, conspiracy that, uh, you know, it's the, the, just pick one. It was a bioweapon, right? And it's released by the globalists, let's say. Why would they, that makes the world worse for them too. That doesn't make sense. It'll kill members of their family. It will make so that everyone is inside. It reduces the services that they like to enjoy, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so it doesn't make sense unless all they're really after is controlling your lives, which we always hear. And really, nobody gives a fuck about controlling your life unless your life is hurting other people, right? And it also allows appeals to, like, the devil or good and evil, and that sort of vague assertion. Um, it, you know, it's it's just it's just weird. That I, I, I think that's my reason I've come to for why they talk about that so much, why they obsess over power and control, is because that's the only way their conspiracies can make sense. But it's still, it's it not clicking 100% for me for why that might be, might be the case. But also, I think it's an aspect of vagueness. And it allows the listener to impute their own beliefs about why the particular group that they hate would do whatever it is that they think is happening. Yeah. And yet another characteristic is that most conspiracies impute intent and design into world events where things, you know, that just doesn't exist. So things just happening out in the world, for example, I would say, Mm -hmm. um, what was that famous collapse of a stadium in the UK? Uh... People died. It's a big thing. It's a deal. We've talked about it. I don't know if it's a stadium collapse. But Stalker then... Stadium collapse. Okay, I don't. People died. Okay. How would you not remember. know about this? Did we, you have talked about this I'm sure with I me have, before. Yeah. Uh, okay, now I have to Google it because I can't believe that you just don't have this off the top of your head. You okay? If I just put in UK soccer stadium disaster is the Hillsborough. You oh dick. okay? Yeah, that was. It didn't collapse. It was just a crush. Whatever. I thought like part of the stands collapsed or something. Not really. It was uh, people got crushed to death. Oh, whatever. Anyways, people will ascribe intent to that. They yeah. believe that things like that were orchestrated by this evil group and made to happen, even though it was just an act of you know a big crowd acting in bad ways, right? Well, I, and then not, the, not even yes, that. I know just, the bad it, stuff about the police, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. it wasn't the but, cra- I mean, people panic in crowds. Is the thing right? That the, the, the crowd panicked. Police did things wrong, yeah. but they impute like the police. They like that the police were directed by their higher ups, who were directed by their higher ups, and this was all done intentionally. That I mean, is the that cover up. The cover up of that was intentional. It was, but yeah. I'm talking about there are people who believe that the accident was intentional. Yeah, that the, yeah. that the deaths were intentional. Mm-hmm. There are like a hundred people that died there, right? Yeah, nineteen. So there, there are conspiracy theorists in the UK mostly who believe that that was all an orchestrated, deliberate. Uh, uh, event that all mm-hmm. happened according to some master plan. There mm-hmm. are those people out there. And I think there was like a BBC show or maybe it was a Channel 4 show where it was like a conspiracy road trip or something mm. where they drove across the country with people um, and they, they did like they took these people on and took them to the places where they claimed that things happened and showed mm. them all the evidence and tried to convince them that these conspiracies That's weren't real. I think there was an episode about Hillsborough. I think there was okay. one. 
Yeah, I mean, the the police did eventually get done for wrongful death because um, yeah. they they fucked up so much during yeah. that. So I am, I, I, if any conspiracy theory, I am uh, <laughs> I am sympathetic <laughs> to. It's that the police did things deliberately wrong at Hillsborough, yeah. but that's fine. Yeah. And then another, you know, another thing, a final thing I will mention is that they usually conspiracy theorists perceive the conspiracy as being directed towards them personally, right? Why do they put fluoride in the water? Why do they do chemtrails? It's because they want to get you and you. your family. You. That's exactly it. So I've talked a lot about that they who are doing the conspiracy. So why don't we talk about who they are and mm-hmm. our main conspiracy for today, the Jews. Uh, <laughs> so obviously... We said um, no hard J's. That was pretty... <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed this, Benedict, uh, but we live in a pretty Christian-centric society. Sorry, you mean um, Judeo-Christian? No, I, I mean Christian. I yeah, mean just yeah, Christian, I, because I, Judeo-Christian okay. is uh, an attempt in modern times to cover up for the fact that of until all of very recently— and anti-Semitism, yeah. Yes, all of Christianity hated the Jews. Like, it's, it's with, without fail, pretty much. They pretty much all did. Um, and that goes back, obviously, to early Christendom. Um, you have the Christians taking over once uh, the Rome converts officially to Christianity, and you get the rapid spread throughout the world. And obviously, the fact that the Bible claims that the Jews killed Jesus, which was probably, as we mentioned, propaganda, mm-hmm. if I had to say. It was probably a propaganda aspect to the way that that was written. Mm-hmm. Um, that led to a lot of uh, bad feelings about the Jews. And the, the, the one we're going to talk about today, the protocols, is not the first anti-Semitic conspiracy theory out there by any no. means. No. The one that a lot of people talk about mostly other than that is the blood libel, right? Mm-hmm. Which the most notable incidents uh, was 1144 in England, uh, where the Jews of Norwich, I don't know Norwich. if that's a, whatever, who Norwich. gives a shit, were accused of ritual murder after a boy, William of Norwich whatever the fuck you say it, was found dead in the woods around the town or, I don't know, is it, how big is that? Was it a city? Uh, at the time, it would it be a city. Would be. It, had a, it would have had a cathedral. Okay, the time. okay. Yeah, it's a... And then uh, <clears throat> Thomas of Monmouth, who was the uh, someone who went and, and wrote about uh, this incident, uh, claimed that there's an international council of Jews uh, every year where they choose a country where a child will be killed during Easter because a Jewish prophecy says that killing a Christian child every year is what will eventually return the Jews to the Holy Land. That is the blood libel. <laughs> it's not great. And that takes different forms, right, throughout history. There is a version of it where the Jews put the blood of Christian children into their uh, matzah. Uh, there's all this sort of horrible stuff that people claim about the Jews. And, of course, we know about the pogroms that go on throughout Eastern Europe. And while that's an Eastern European word, pogrom, that same sort of thing happened in Western Europe and, and the rest of the world, obviously. Mm-hmm. It obviously happened in the U.K. and in France and in Spain and all those places. All well, of Europe. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, you, as someone who has studied Spain, know that the Jews were forced out of Spain. Yep, 1492. Something, something we have talked about extensively. Yep. And Spain and Portugal, yeah. Not great. Um, no, not at all. Not yeah, and, and I mean, ge- generally, the Jews have experienced several genocides throughout. Yes. throughout but even before genocide was a recognized word, Jewish people were experiencing genocide. Yeah, it was Christianity's original favorite pastime. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so, the one we're talking about today, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Is, Genocide, I will, by the way, not a word that entered into common parlance until the early 20th century. The Armenian, yep. geno- Armenian Genocide was the first uh, mass displacement and or slaughter that was referred to as a mm-hmm. genocide. Yep, the term was actually coined for it. Yep, exactly. Uh, but I will argue that the Protocols are the grandpappy 
of classical conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. Not in that they're the oldest, right? The blood libel's obviously older, but in that this is everything that comes after of it trickles down from the protocols. Is influenced by. Is yeah. heavily influenced by, is developed by, and they're probably the world's most widespread hoax document. And of course, I will link to a copy in the show notes, and we gotta do this disclaimer up here, because Benedict was all worried when I told him what we'd be covering this week. Mm. Benedict, tell people don't believe this, blah, tell yeah, them what you no, were worried look, about. I was, I was just gonna say that there's a reason why when de- misinformation is debunked, people don't get too detailed about misinformation that is being debunked because sometimes people are like oh and not that any of the listeners to our show would do this but sometimes shows go beyond their intended audience and sometimes it gives people information and they think oh that's a good idea even though the information is technically being debunked so this is also how conspiracy theories spread so that's all i'm saying so you heard it here none of you go out there this show with any idiots If you become a neo-Nazi because I went over the protocols today, I'm going to be really mad about it. Yeah, Kevin will uh, come get you. I think that this is widely enough known, and obviously it's available everywhere on the internet. I don't and think I'm gonna... we should link to it in the show notes. Uh, well, we can talk look, about that after. <laughs> I am linking to a version that I think is the most responsible. It actually says at the bottom of every single page, warning, this document is a proven anti-Semitic forgery and hoax. The bottom of every single page, it has an introduction that explains why it's a hoax, where it actually came from, all that sort of stuff. I think it's a responsible version uh, and and you will disagree with me when we finish recording and we can talk about it then. <laughs> okay. People will find it even if I don't link it in the show notes. Yeah, but it was first published in Russia in 1903 in an abridged form in the newspaper Znamya, I think. Would you, would you like to try again? Z-N-A-M-Y-A. Z-N-A. Znamya. Znamya. Fuck it. I don't care. A full unabridged version was published in 1905 as the final chapter of the second edition of the book, The Great Within the Small and Antichrist, An Imminent Political Possibility, Notes of an Orthodox Believer. By a- Coming out of the, the, the back rooms of Tsar Nicholas II's palace, by the way. <laughs> but, bit- well, the, yeah, it was published by the batshit crazy son of minor nobility named Sergei Nihilus. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, some people believe that this was created purposefully by uh, the, the, you know, the czar's uh, secret police and put out... Officially, it is unknown when or who exactly created Yeah, Behind the Bastards did a little bit of a segment on it during their Nicholas II episodes, mm-hmm. um, which is definitely worth listening to. Right. But Nihilus, in the version he published, was likely cribbing off of some other material. Obviously, this abridged version was published earlier in 1903, um, and it's not like there was any lack of anti-Semitic propaganda to work off of, right? There, there was no lack of that going around in the early 1900s. Some people believe that it was originally a parody that was circulating in anti-Semitic groups who then decided to polish it up and publish it as if it was real. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, eventually, w- the part that we know is, like, for sure this was propaganda by the Kremlin is, like, when it makes its way through white Russian general, um, whose name I forgot to write in my notes, uh, who gave it to Henry Ford mm-hmm. and then, you know, published it in the United States, right? We talked about that. I think that might be in a patron-only episode where we talked about that in particular. I'm not 100% sure. I don't remember that. But that's how the the original version that made it to Henry Ford made it to the U.S., was through a white Russian general. Cool. Um, but large portions of it are definitely direct rip-offs of other texts. Mm-hmm. Uh, most obviously, there is a satire pamphlet 
uh, called um, Dialogues in Hell Between Machiavelli and Montesquieu, published by a satirist named Maurice Jolly in 1864. And fun fact, he was actually sentenced to prison because that that pamphlet was very clearly making fun of Napoleon the oh. Third. Like that that was the point of it. And so he got in trouble for that and got sentenced to prison. And then, uh, you know, 40 years later, these anti-Semites come on and and steal from his work. For example, I will just read uh, from the dialogues on page 141, the the satire pamphlet. Like the god Vishnu, my press will have a hundred arms, and these arms will give their hands to all the different shades of opinion throughout the country. From the Protocols on page 43. These newspapers, like the Indian god Vishnu, will be possessed of hundreds of hands, each of which will be feeling the pulse of varying public opinion. From the Dialogues, page 207. Now I understand the figure of the god Vishnu. You have a hundred arms like the Indian idol, and each of your fingers touches a spring. From the Protocols, page 65. Our government will resemble the Hindu god Vishnu. Each of our hundred hands will hold one spring of the social machinery of the state. And from the Dialogues, page 209, how are loans made by the issue of bonds entailing on the government the obligation to pay interest proportionate to the capital it has been paid? Thus, if a loan is at 5%, the state, after 20 years, has paid out a sum equal to the borrowed capital. When 40 years have expired, it has paid double. After 60 years, triple. Yet it remains debtor for the entire capital sum. And from the Protocols, on page 77, a loan is an issue of government paper which entails an obligation to pay interest amounting to a percentage of the total sum of the borrowed money. If a loan is at 5%, then in 20 years the government would have unnecessarily paid out a sum equal to that of the loan in order to cover the percentage. In 40 years it will have paid twice, and in 60, thrice that amount, but the loan will still remain as an unpaid debt. Very clear. We're mad about capital rather than... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, also... Plagiarism, Benedict. We're mad yeah, about plagiarism true, yeah, here. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I also some... am mad at the current banking system, but I'm not going to take <laughs> it out on anyone. We're very mad about plagiarism here on this program. Uh, but I will say at the outset, the fact that individuals on the right echo the conspiracies and the protocols is not proof that they themselves are anti-Semites. Only that these ideas have been incredibly pervasive throughout the entirety of our society for over a century and in modern times have coalesced in the far right. But there's a point when they parrot line after line of them that it becomes very clear that there's a much closer connection between them and the protocols than just the usual trickle down of anti Semitic conspiracism. So, like I said, just because they say some stuff that's also in the protocols, it's not proof. When they say a bunch of stuff that's in the protocols, it might be some proof. Mm -hmm. So today, Benedict, we are going to go through the entirety of the protocols, protocol by protocol. I've I've written summaries of them down uh, and we'll be discussing. And I think you will see, just thinking on the the basic conspiracy theories you know and the things that we read our authors saying Mm -hmm. and what we've gone over, you will see some very clear parallels between what we hear coming from the right and the things that are said in the protocols. How many are we looking at here? There are a total of 24 protocols. Okay, let's go quickly. Let's go. <laughs> so protocol one, and I have given titles. To, some of them I took titles from other sources. Some I came up with my own title. Protocol mm. one, might is right. Mm. And it begins with, quote, quote, putting aside fine phrases, we shall speak of the significance of each thought. By comparisons and desu- deductions, we shall throw light upon surrounding facts. How did anyone get through this? It's so fucking boring. <laughs> I, I would have stopped reading Well, already. it is, I, I should note Jesus at the beginning, Christ. it is written... And it was, it was, uh, they said, they claimed it was 
uh, like notes from lectures that were given uh-huh. by a Jewish dude, like a Jewish elder to uh, uh, like Jewish uh, youths, like our university students, or Jewish mm-hmm. students, right? So that's what this is claimed to be. And it's supposed to be like they're talking because they're just talking, talking among, among themselves. themselves. They're yeah, saying yeah, yeah. the truth, right? That's what it's supposed to be. What I am about to set forth then is our system from the two points of view, that of ourselves and that of the Goyim, i.e. Mm non-Jews. It must be noted that men with bad instincts are more in number than the good, and therefore the best results in governing them are attained by violence and terrorization, and not by academic discussions. Are we sure this wasn't just about Nicholas II? (laughs) (laughs) Every man aims at power. Everyone would like to become a dictator if only he could, and rare indeed are the men who would not be willing to sacrifice the welfare of all for the sake of securing their own welfare. So that's how it begins. Mm-hmm. So that gives you a, a taste of what... And again, this is also a translation from the Russian. Yeah, reading, it's basically, obviously. we can do whatever we want as long as we have the power and, like, states' monopoly on violence, Exactly. Right? Like, and that chapter, that is, protocol... It, it, exactly how Nicholas II behaved. So. <laughs> well, and that protocol also contains some things such as that the power of gold, i.e. money, has replaced the power of physical force. Mm. Um, claims that the goyim, under their rules, are not allowed, quote, unprejudiced historical observation and claim that they have control of, quote, theoretical routines that distract them so that they are, you know, they're in control of learning and history and how people mm. think about history. Um, another quote I took from that portion, the despotism of capital, which is entirely in our hands, reaches out to it a straw that the state willy nilly must take hold of. If not, it goes to the bottom. And that gave me clear. I, I read that and I went, oh, shit, we read basically that sentence in different words in none dare call it conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's directly cribbing from that. Yeah, uh, I'm skipping protocol two to do at the end because it's related to a clip I'm going to play. OK, uh, protocol three, the symbolic snake and its significance, supposedly about their means and methods and basically comes down to we make them poor by creating economic crises, then come in and trick them into giving us power. OK, short quote I took from it. We appear on the scene as alleged saviors of the worker from this oppression when we propose to him to enter the ranks of our fighting forces, socialists, anarchists, communists, to whom we always give support in accordance with an alleged brotherly rule of solidarity of all humanity, of our social masonry. So this is this is also to, to try and link all of this stuff to like the shadowy, of, shadowy left as well. Of right? course, like, yes, yeah. right. And this is where you get a lot of the you know Bolshevik, Bolshevik Jews, Jews that, yeah. that the right will talk about. Obviously, the protocols went on to be big Nazi propaganda. The Nazis yep. uh, taught it to school children. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, big big time stuff going on there. And Protocol- then we wrote it as on the Jews and their lies. Yes. Like, <laughs> much. Uh, no, actually, that is the title of Martin Luther's book. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that actually is the title of Martin yeah, Luther's yeah. book. Protocol Four: The Destruction of Religion by Materialism. Which sure. is, I paraphrased in one line, freedom depends on religion, so we have to destroy religion. Mm, okay, yeah, freedom. Religion, the famous thing that allows you freedom. Yeah, Benedict, we've heard that from all of our authors. We've yep. heard that exact line from all of our authors. Protocol 5, creation of an intensified centralization of government. Okay, so more boring Which is about creating stuff, yeah. a world super government, Benedict. Oh, a one so like world the, government. The, yeah. A new world order, the, if the you The UN, will. you might say, and the yeah. fucking... The yeah, UN that all these people pro- hate so much protocols. and claim is a one-world government. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. Uh, protocol 6, the ownership of land, where they say that they're going to take the land from all the aristocrats and then have all the land. 
Okay, uh, that's just a good idea. We should take <laughs> the land from all the aristocrats. Well, the way they, they write it, it's like, we're going to have it all. We're not going to let all the uh, non-Jews have access. And right. they also write that they're going to control all of the monopolies. Okay, and ra- again. Like, and listen, raise wages while also raising prices so that nobody can ever get ahead. I'm sorry. This is just how Russia was governed by the <laughs> czarist regime at the time. Like, I'm not... Right. Like... But Benedict, this is about how the Jews are doing it. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. Protocol 7, creation of war and discord, which is just, I just wrote down, it's just the meme that the Jews started all the wars, because mm-hmm. that's literally what it is. Yeah, it just says, not, not well, like we do Nicholas, all the wars. We not like the wars. Nicholas II going to war with Japan for no reason, <laughs> and then also to, for, with Germany for no reason. Uh-huh. Protocol 8, the transitional government. I'm just going to try and link all of these to Nicholas II in some way. <laughs> Absolutely Because otherwise you'd have to link them all to Glenn Beck and the yeah. words we've heard come out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah. Arming their government with all the weapons the enemy may use them amuse against them. Uh, and they say that they're going to use the law as a sword and a shield. Saying, quote, so we that's shall... A sur- Second Amendment thing now, do we think? Like, the go- if the government has a monopoly on weapons, then no, you can't No, basically, this is like, yourself? once we take power, we're going to use the law to prevent people from taking power back from uh, us or something like that. Okay, well, that's just fascism. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they write, quote, we shall surround our government with a whole world of economists... That is the reason why economic scientists form the principal subject of the teaching given to the Jews. Around us again will be a whole constellation of bankers, industrialists, capitalists, and the main thing, millionaires. Because okay. in substance, everything will be settled by the question of figures. How, how is that different to 21st century America? Because it's not Jews who are well, yeah, in control of everything? Yeah. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Protocol 9. Re-education of the masses. We have got our hands into the administration of the law, into the conduct of elections, into the press, into liberty of the person, but principally into the education and training as being the cornerstones of a free existence. We have fooled, bemused, and corrupted the youth of the Goyim by rearing them in principles and theories which are known to us to be false, although it is by us that they have been inculcated. Above the existing laws without substantially altering them and by merely twisting them into contradictions of interpretations, we have erected something grandiose in the way of results. These results found expression first in the fact that the interpretations masked the laws. Afterwards, they entirely hid them from the eyes of the governments owing to the impossibility of making anything out of the tangled web of legislation. That, okay. Benedict, sure. you... I mean, that is... That's Mark Levin writing about yep. how they're, the left is corrupting all the schools. Yeah, no, that's true. It's not and just that's Mark also, Levin, And that's also the government regulations. Nobody can understand them. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, we yeah. have, yeah, rearing them in principles and theories which are known by us to be false. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what that is, man. Yeah, that we're is lying the, to your children. And that we is know. the CRT panic. Yeah, that's, that's true. what they're, yeah. True. Protocol 10, destruction of nations and borders. Part okay. of that plan yep, involves that's a, allowing. Yep, that's that's uh-huh. that's one we've yep. heard before. Yep. No, you're right. Yep. Cool. Part of that plan, their their plan to destroy nations and borders, involves allowing everyone to vote, quote, without distinction of classes and qualifications, in order to establish well, an we absolute did that one majority. Already. Don't worry. <laughs> in order to establish an absolute majority, which cannot be got from the educated, propertyed classes. End quote. They also say at this point that doing so is what will destroy the importance of the family by instilling mm. self-importance instead. Okay. And says well, that we, they did want- for- Joe, we did it for Joe. We did it. And it says that they intend to make humanity exhausted with dissension that they then give the Jews complete power. 
Okay. Yeah. Protocol 11, fake liberty. Mm-hmm. Create fake laws and rules by the government to trick the non-Jews into thinking that nothing has changed, right? Okay. Uh, they call the, the non-Jews a flock of sheep, which isn't quite sheeple. And I want to track down where the phrase sheeple came from, but you can see how far back that iconography goes, right? Yep. Obviously, I'm sure it went long before this. Yeah, it's funny that uh, religious followers are also called flocks and sheep. Right, right. Protocol 12, which I just titled myself, Unfreedom of the Press. Okay. It's basically, we will control the press entirely and nothing will make it to the public without our say-so. Again, parallels between every author we've read, hard to ignore. Protocol 13, turning the attention of the public from essentials to non-essentials, keeping them occupied with distractions and games and pastimes and blah, blah, blah. People's palaces, because they used that fun old phrase back then. I really like that one. People's uh-huh. palaces. I really wish we would come back to... to I'd like to see a people's palace. I don't know yep. what a people's palace is, but I'd like to see one. I think it'd be kind of fun. It sounds like it'd be Disneyland, but free, maybe? Sure, I don't yeah. know. Protocol 14, destruction of religion. It's just a duplicate. They just say they're going to destroy religion again. I don't know. Can I, uh, can, I, can I just tell you that the, the favorite political insult, sheeple, it, it originated in 1945 as the first known oh, usage damn. of it. Uh, nice. to, refer, to refer to people uh, who were mindlessly obeying the government. Nice. There you go. Nice. Uh, <laughs> protocol 15, ruthlessness of government. When they're going to come into power, they're going to do it by a coup d'etat and mm, be merciless, merciless do it? with all who oppose them, right? Basically says we're going to kill them all. Um, it also talks a lot about masonry, right? Uh, which the JBS and more modern conspiracists do love to... Uh, well, maybe like 10, 15 years ago, Masons were more popular as, as a boogeyman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, you hear enough conspiracy Yeah, whatever happened to the Freemasons? They used to be such a popular thing. I don't know. It used to be, I think that was sort of early, the the more openly anti-Semitic, uh, militia-connected conspiracy theorists would talk about Masons a lot uh, because, obviously, going back to the protocols, they're talking about Masons and Masonry, our Masonic program. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's throughout the protocols a lot. Um, and so there is a more direct anti-Semitic link to the phrase Masons and pointing to you know mason's lodges and things like that which they claim are you know jewish conspiracies even though you don't have to be jewish to be a mason um but that goes back to the cultural judaism thing they talk about whenever someone who isn't actually jewish uh is someone they want to claim is jewish for part of their boogeyman right they'll just say that well they're not ethnically jewish but they're culturally jewish they'll say something Mm -hmm. like that um but so uh you can go back and listen to old alex jones and hear him talk about the masons a lot in the early to mid 2000s and somewhere along the way, he sort of just flipped his his phrasing over to just using globalists pretty exclusively because it's a more vague phrase and covers up that direct link to anti-Semitism a little better. So I think that's I think they just realized that you get that direct anti-Semitic link when they use that phrase. So they got better at hiding it, right? They got better at, at code switching. Uh, Protocol 16, control of universities. They say that all professors will be secretly educated into their program. And that they won't teach law or matters of politics in any of the universities, uh, but will introduce into education ideas meant to sow discord until the point when they take power, where they will switch to teaching only things that create docile, compliant youth. I mean, tracks with what we've heard yeah. all these people say about yeah. education, right? It's yeah. they sort of sheeple, they didn't say that it sheeple. was a plan that way, but yeah. when the Republicans were in power. 
they were arguing that all of these things were taught to sow discord. Mm-hmm. And now that they're out of power, they're saying, though, they're trying to just make you compliant, compliant. right? Going all yeah. the masks and stuff. Yeah. They just want to make you comply, all that sort of shit. It's a, mm-hmm. still a bit of a mix on it, but yeah. I see some connection there. Yeah. Uh, Protocol 17, the fate of lawyers and the clergy. Uh, they're mm-hmm. just going to kill them. They're just going to kill them and do away with that job entirely. Okay. Cool. Which, you know, uh, garters Moving on. and... <laughs> Guts and garters and strangulation yeah. and um, not necessarily against, although I am a lawyer. Protocol 18, secret defenses, where they argue that they needed to use secret police rather than overt security because admit- using overt security is admitting that dissent exists, which is weakness. So you can't let anybody see that. Yeah. Right? So you got to have secret police. Fair enough. Uh, Protocol 19, political crimes, where they say that they're going to treat sedition like petty theft in order to avoid creating heroes. So they're just not gonna take them seriously i guess oh well we haven't done that because we're prosecuting mm-hmm. sedition for january 6th, i know so. isn't that awful <laughs> protocol 20 progressive income taxation oh okay all right <laughs> that's a very the, this is a very dated document yeah it's the section about their economic program it also talks about an inheritance tax by the way <laughs> okay cool, cool 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 and also sort of surprisingly to me presents the jews as being against the gold standard but in a way that doesn't make sense for later conspiracies. Okay. Because it's like the Jews claiming that the gold standard is bad because it allows the Jews to wreck economic systems by removing gold from circulation, which, like, okay, that makes sense that if you would argue they do that, they do that, but then all these people are gold bugs who want Mm. to go back to the gold standard now. It's not completely coherent. I don't know. Maybe just because the Jews said we shouldn't be on the gold standard, so we have to do the opposite, according to this conspiracy document. I don't know. I don't. Doesn't make a hundred sense. Hundred percent sense to me. But it also talks about how they are going to make all nations debtors of the Jews to control them. Very reminiscent of things we read in Nunder Conspiracy. Very, very, very. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You recall what I'm talking about, where they're talking about how you know the the insiders would make yeah, all yeah, the, yeah. the nations uh, sell out to them and be in control. Yeah, really, really reminiscent. Protocol 21, government credit systems, basically domestic control of credit. I guess just uh, another control aspect, I guess. Protocol 22, our rule is supported by God because we have gold. Best I could do for you there. Protocol 23 which I just titled, can we do a few more? I feel like I got some more time. Uh, which they say they're going to reduce luxury production and destroy private capital of manufacturers. Cool. And then Protocol 24, the last one, preparation for the Jewish king. Doesn't really <laughs> Okay. Wow. <laughs> Bless you. Yeah, yeah. They do say they're going to have a Jewish king. But, Benedict, I did skip Protocol 2 at the okay. beginning. And that is because Protocol 2 is economic war and disorganization leading to international government. And of course, it says the Jews are purposefully creating both real and economic wars for the purpose of bankrupting nations and bringing them to heel. That, again, very reminiscent of what we read in Undare Call Conspiracy, very reminiscent of things we read from many of our authors. And it says, quote, Think carefully of the successes rearranged for Darwinism, Marxism, Nietzscheism. Throughout the press, we have gained the power to influence while remaining ourselves in the shade. Thanks to the press, we have got the gold in our hands. Notwithstanding that, we have had to gather it out of the oceans of blood and tears, but it has paid us. Though we have sacrificed many of our people, each victim on our side is worth, in the sight of God, a thousand goyim. So, 
economic war they're creating in order to lead to international government. And that brings us into what we're going to talk about to close the episode out at Benedict, which is a more modern conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. The Great Reset. Oh, Have yeah. Have you fun. heard? Have you heard of The Great Reset at all? Yeah, I also saw that... Um was it the like the World Economic Forum titled their like post COVID, uh, like recovery plan, the Great Reset? Well, that is, is actually where the not, conspiracy theory comes from. Not great. Though that is that that is legitimately like the they there was no Great Reset conspiracy theory until uh, the fiftieth annual meeting of the World Economic Forum in June twenty twenty. Okay. When they their theme and the title of it was the Great Reset. I didn't know that That's, that, that predated. I thought the conspiracy. Well, the no, the conspiracy. The ideas. The ideas predate, behind the conspiracy. The ideas predate, predate but the yeah, great okay, okay. the Great Reset, particularly when they blame Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum for mm-hmm. this, come directly from the fact that that meeting was titled the Great Reset. Okay. They wouldn't. They would not have come up with a snappy name like the Great Reset on their own. They're not. No, that, that has journalism theorist. written all over it. Exactly. So. Um, I, I, we're going to talk about it more in a future episode, I think, but I wanted to highlight it because it is one of the recently developed conspiracies that sticks out to me as most directly descendant from the protocols. Okay, let's do it. And like I said, it was the title of the 50th annual meeting of the World Economic Forum. Um, the theme of the conference was seizing upon the crisis to rebuild society and the economy. Was it was it Davos? Was it a Davos thing or was it a no, is right? That, I don't remember if that is Davos. I think that is Davos. Yeah. I think that's Well, the, the World, World Economic, Economic Forum, Forum does Davos. I just don't yeah. know if I don't know if that was a, a I don't Davos. remember off the top of my head and I didn't write it down. Okay. Um, but so, you know, about rebuilding the the economy in more sustainable ways following the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And the World Economic Forum is a bunch of insanely rich assholes who control a lot of money and power. But believing that there is it's a conspiracy, That's, yeah, <laughs> right. But the conspiracy that they created a pandemic to take control of the rest of the world is obvious batshit nonsense, yeah. right? Because go back to this makes their lives worse as well. Yeah. Why would they want this? Nobody would want this. But I have a clip for us to end off today, and this goes back to one of our one of our good old boys, Benedict. Oh, great, Glenn Beck. Bring out the good old on boys. the Tucker Carlson tonight. Oh, amazing. Program. Let's go. Okay talking about his newest book and i'll say before we get to it i want to give credit to the tuckered out podcast which is where i first heard this clip uh when they were covering the week that he was on this show uh and glenn has a new book out called the great reset colon joe biden and the rise of 21st century fascism okay great it is co-authored by which i mean primarily written by a guy named justin haskins who is the director of the socialism research center at the heartland institute Uh, He also links on his LinkedIn page that he took eight credits worth of political philosophy and finance courses at Harvard in a non-degree program. Uh, He also got his master's from the dubiously accredited Christian College Regent University. Okay. And he's written several other books, including Socialism is Evil, colon, The Moral Case Against Marx's Radical Dream. You can't... That title shows me that you don't know what the fuck you're talking Nothing. about yeah cool communism was the dream yeah socialism was what he thought was the step along yeah. the way yeah 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 you idiot um <sighs> he was a contributor to the book we read arguing with socialists oh was he that's fun. yeah he was one of okay, the cool. one of the actual authors of that beyond glenn um and another book that is not listed on his Heartland Institute bio, but is available, uh, or not available, but listed on Amazon, it says it's out of print, is, quote, Our Lousy, Lying, No Good Government, which the description of that says, quote, 
Written by college student Justin Haskins, our lousy, lying, no-good government uses hard evidence to show that our current American government is abusing its power, destroying our liberty, and engaging in gutter politics that is slowly dismantling the greatest country on Earth. There is no room for bias or political ideology here. Both parties are broken down for the corrupt machines they truly are. Just some of the many topics include the Chinese colonization of Africa, the use of government money to invest in terrorist nations, the incredible story of how Congress has limited its membership and our representation along with it, the many instances of corruption in Congress, how our judicial system gives lighter sentence for criminals who molest children, and how our entire economic system is being sold to China. Research tirelessly. This book will make your blood boil and remind you just why America is worth fighting for. I'm going to write one of these books one day. (laughs) I'm going to just mad lib one of these books out and see how it goes. He is also the editor-in-chief of StopSocialism.com, which is just an aggregator clickbait website posting bad right-wing takes calling everything socialism. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Like under their Socialism in America uh, uh, line... They have articles like socialism in Texas? Question mark, exclamation Question mark, point. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Bernie backing socialist Nina Turner soundly defeated in Ohio primary for U.S. House race in Ohio. Biden says student loan debt cancellation is on the table. And Democratic socialist candidate for U.S. Congress calls for $30 minimum wage. Cool. Then under their socialism worldwide section, they have such titles as Bernie Sanders is right about one thing, dot, dot, dot. L.K. Samuels, the original social justice warriors, Hitler and Mussolini. Mm. (laughs) And L.K. Samuels, was World War II a battle between capitalism and socialism? Mm. That's the beautiful... Yeah. I mean, uh, not really. Uh, I don't know about that. We were on socialism's side. (laughs) I mean, I'd say more like capitalism or not capital but uh, uh, liberalism and fascism yeah 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 yeah. liberalism and fascism is is, i think the typical way that people look at that anyways benedict all that why don't we go ahead and listen to this clip of glenn beck on tucker carlson tonight and i will say the audio is not great because i couldn't find a direct pull of this from the show so this is like someone posted a video of this recording their tv screen like with their phone well this is where we get this from it's not great it's not great but you'll hear it Joe Biden and the Rise of 21st Century Fascism. That book is out today, and we're delighted to have Glenn Beck join us now. Glenn, thanks so much for coming on. Congrats on the book. Thank you. Which I, I, I'll admit Thank up front you. I have not read. Give us a sense of, of the... So admitting right off the bat yeah. that you haven't read I the book. I didn't read the book, but I like Glenn Beck, so <laughs> here we are. Isn't that wonderful? Theme. Also, um, I have to note that Glenn Beck is dressed like hipster Santa. Oh, yeah, he's program. been doing that for a while. Yeah, he's got, it, like, red checkered, uh, like, thick-looking jacket type thing. Yeah, and, like, he's a been doing that since underneath. that. What was it? The, the Glenn Beck is sorry about all that during yeah. the Trump? Yeah, the, yeah he wore the it apology then, tour. and he, he must just really fucking love this jacket. He must really have a thing for this fucking jacket. Um, everything that you've talked about, I've been watching your whole show tonight, absolutely everything that you've talked about tonight is in this book, and it is explained. Everything Tucker was talking about that night, by the way, was insane racist bullshit. Okay. That's what he was talking about. Good, good, good. It explains why the schools are tracking uh, with the DOJ, why Fauci with the vaccine mandates, why Fauci is uh, hiding 
his relationship with the big pharmaceutical, our gas prices, the First Amendment rights, the January 6th uh, people uh, being uh, set up by the FBI, all of this, Tucker, this is the most important book I have read. This is the most important. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Several things there. <laughs> did you write it or did you read it? Also, that door closing, that's from whoever's recording this off of their TV okay, screen cool. in their it home. Wasn't that's someone where that walking came from. out of Glenn's interview. Like, what the fuck is this guy talking yeah. about? Okay, but several things there. First off, in no fucking universe would those things he just listed all be explainable by one thing. Yeah. Right? That's, this is a that's weird, where we get to it being a weird conspiracy. Thematic theory. book here that you've got going on. Secondly, yes, he does say there, this is the best book I've read. The most important then, book he's read. Yeah, most important. And then corrects himself and says, I mean, wrote. I don't believe he wrote it. I, I do not hear him believe say it. that. Can you rewind it like a 10 seconds? I can, yeah, I can rewind it. Let's see. The FBI, all of this, Tucker, this is the most important book I have read. This is the most important, or that I've written. This is the most important <laughs> topic okay. of my career. And I think this is the most important topic in the world today. The Great Reset is not a conspiracy theory. Okay. It is something I love. That the Davos All these, the Great Reset is not a conspiracy theory yeah. th- about yeah. my t shirt, answered already by my t shirt. <laughs> like. Absolutely. Okay. This is the most watched television news, pro- I say news program, obviously, in, in scare quotes, in America. And he's having, and he has, Tucker has his trademark completely puzzled dipshit face on as glenn is talking um and that's that's the thing that's what tucker that's how he mainstreams batshit nonsense Mm -hmm. because right now glenn beck's audience is a tiny fraction of tucker's Mm -hmm. a small fraction and tucker uh, the way this process works is glenn beck and tucker carlson both feed out of the same pool the same trough if you will they take things that are poorly developed by people like Alex Jones and people who comment on their websites and people who call their radio shows. They then polish those up through a combination of them doing the work themselves and this sort of collective writing program that takes place on talk radio where people call in and pitch aspects of it right, by sort of like claiming that something is the case and if the host accepts it or rejects it, that then it again then becomes part of conspiracy theory or not. It's really interesting the way that sort of um, uh, it is like Mad Libs, really, the way it works. But that sort of collective uh, creative writing that goes on in these mm-hmm. conspiracy theory circles, it's really interesting the way it goes. But then they bring someone on to the prestige program, like Tucker Carlson, yeah, yeah. to present the conspiracy to the world. And now it is the, the right is inculcated with this. This is now the Great Reset is a huge right wing conspiracy theory. Not just because of this one appearance of Glenn Beck on Tucker Carlson, but probably the groundswell got to a point where Tucker decided that he could bring on someone like, and you know, that Glenn decided to write this book, and that it was time to bring it fully into the mainstream and unleash it as one of the arsenal, uh, one of the tools in their arsenal of bullshit mm-hmm. that they use. Well, I've put together, along with the World Economic Forum, and it is running rampant through every Western capital and every Western company, country. It is, I just, I just read this, tomorrow morning at 9.30, uh, the Washington State COVID detainment emergency, they are gonna have a State Board of Health discussing from 9.30 to 3.30 tomorrow, 
allowing health, local health uh, officers to use law enforcement to force an emergency order in involuntarily detaining a person or group of persons' families to be isolated in a quarantine facility following the refusal to voluntarily comply with requests, medical examinations, testing, treatment, counseling, and vaccination. This is an internment camp. Washington State has done it before. They haven't obviously learned their lesson from World War II. So, lot to unpack there, <laughs> Lots obviously. to unpack there, yeah. At some point, we're going to talk about FEMA camps. FEMA yeah. camps were a big conspiracy right around the time Barack Obama was taking office. Mm-hmm. And Alex Jones and Glenn Beck were pushing FEMA. Actually, Glenn Beck might have been trying to debunk FEMA camps because he and Alex Jones were in a bit of a war at the time. Okay. I think Glenn Beck might have done a whole, hey, FEMA camps are bullshit segment on his show. Um, but Glenn Beck, obviously now, all in on the FEMA camp type mm-hmm. shit. Uh, so what this is, what he's actually talking about, is there was a war in, uh, a law in Washington state, uh, which was written back in, I believe, the 1980s or 1990s. And if you want more on this, I will link to the Tuckered Out episode where they talk about this clip. They did great work in looking to the back of it and showing how he's just, he's just bullshitting here. This is total bullshit. Um, so they had a law on the books for like 20 or 30 years, which was when people have a, uh, a transmittable disease and they are refusing treatment or something uh, and it poses a risk to the public that those people can be involuntarily detained for treatment or containment or whatever the case might be that is needed. Um, It was primarily in the case of like, you know, AIDS panic and Mm -hmm. shit like that. That's when this came up. Um, This meeting that he just noted uh, that had nothing to do with COVID actually. Uh, The meeting was about proposing to change uh, the law in order to remove I believe it was to remove, like, allowing to, uh, the ability to detain people who have AIDS mm-hmm. under that law. Because that was, like, advocates were trying to get that removed from the book because that's a horrible thing to have on the fucking books. Mm-hmm. That you can order someone to be fucking locked up because they have AIDS. Mm-hmm. Right? Shit like that. Um, I may be getting those specifics wrong because I, I did not write that down. But uh, he's, long story short, he's fucking lying. Glenn yeah. is full of shit as we've heard him be so many times. Yeah. <laughs> what a shock. This, again, is all about total and complete control. This is, I was wrong for a long time. I thought this was about socialism. It is not. It is a brand of fascism. Okay, so he yeah. was wrong. He loves to say As that. recently as last year when he put out the book that we yeah. read. <laughs> well, even then he was saying socialism is fascism, basically. Yeah, just, sure. Yeah. Socialism and communism the state and the people own everything. That's not what's coming. If you Okay, no, Glenn. In communism, there is no state, you yeah. dumbass. <laughs> That's the idea. I want to understand why our corporations are saying that they have to have these, uh, uh, teach white people how bad they are, uh, if, why they're condemning the United States but not China. Because Why, for example, they might be sowing among their children ideas in which they know to be false? Yeah. 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 This is becoming deeply boring. That's uh let, let's wrap yeah, this we up. got we got about a minute left. Okay, we got about a minute on. left. Let's just get through it. China is the new global model. And all of it is in here with 50 pages of fine print uh footnotes. Do not go online and just search unless it's an original source because there's a lot of bad information out. Oh, is that? must Yeah. Yeah, Benedict. Interesting. Don't go do your own don't research. Don't do your own research. Have you ever heard someone say, don't go do your own research yeah. before? That <laughs> one was wild theory. to me. Yeah, that's funny. 
That was so what? Because usually they tell them to do their own research. Yeah, but the problem is, only listen to me. Only the, I can solve this. The Great Reset has been so thoroughly debunked online that they can't tell people to go do their own research yeah. on it. You just have to buy his book. Get out to every person I believe in the Western world. Oh yeah. By the way, I sort of my my pause sort of interrupted. But his what he wants you to do instead is buy a bunch of copies of his book and oh, get them out to as either. many people as you possibly can. Where have we heard that before? Oh wait, him and yeah. also the John Birch Society. John Birch, definitely. Yeah. This is not an American problem. This is the entire West going away by 2030. And I think the next, uh, you know, they just war game the World uh, Economic Forum just war gamed the next economic collapse. Okay. I think that's coming in the next couple of years. I could be wrong. I usually am on timing. But when yes. that happens, stop making timing predictions. Out. Then it is over. They will control your food, your water, your work, your education, your banking, your money, gasoline. You know, France is just now. Uh... So they are surrounding themselves with bankers and uh, uh, politicians and economists, and uh, and they are creating economic strife so that they can get control over you. You see how this is all tracking. Uh-huh. With everything we have talked about today, you see how that works? It's nuts, isn't it? Uh, paying a rate increase for their electricity of 45% because of the Great Reset. They are, they are shutting down their nuclear power plants, and it's going to cause a 45% increase in energy. They are going to bankrupt the entire West and only the elites are going to be able to have money, the food they want, the jobs they want, etc., etc. We will be left in the dust. We must educate ourselves right now. Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck. Did you realize? Did you did you forget that Tucker Carlson was on this show? He did not say a fucking word yeah, through like that entire Glenn show. Beck rant. <laughs> so. That last thing there, the nuclear power plant thing, and again, credit to Tuckered Out Pod who did uh, the research on it, and I'm just cribbing from them. Um, he's lying about 40-whatever percent there. Also, uh, the nuclear power— everything. Just assume he's there, lying about everything. Yeah. There are some nuclear power plants being shut down. It has nothing to do with the Great Reset. They shut down—they had planned to shut down like 11 for uh, large maintenance projects, and then they had several that had to go offline because of emergency issues that they discovered with the plants that needed emergency maintenance, and so that is going to probably cause a rise in electricity prices in France, but it has nothing to do with the Great Reset. It's just— that they had to shut down some power plants for maintenance. Like, it's a major bullshit. But man, Benedict, was I right or was I right? Yeah, Is that you're right. Uh, and, and we know, because we've heard the George Soros stuff, obviously, from Glenn Beck. We've read Glenn Beck. We, we're not the largest experts on Glenn Beck in the world, but we know yeah. a damn lot about the guy. We've, we probably spent more time paying attention to him than anybody except, like, the folks over at Media Matters and a couple other uh-huh. places. Yeah. But... I I have no difficulty in saying that I don't believe Glenn knows that the things he is saying come directly from the protocols. I think it has filtered down to him through the well-known and established John Birch Society mm-hmm. um, connection that he has and the fact that he's been a, a Bircher for a long time. And also the fact that he runs in far-right circles where anti-Semites are couching their conspiracy theories 
in other terms like globalist or insider rather than just saying the Jews to get those ideas out to normies who wouldn't otherwise know. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it's coming from. But there is no doubt that he is repeating anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, yeah. that he is propagating them to the world. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt in my mind. So, you learn anything today? Mm, yeah, but nothing I want to repeat. <laughs> Yeah, I can pretty much agree with that. Uh, the protocols is some rough shit. It's yep. some rough shit. But I think it's worthwhile because everyone talks about the protocols of the elders of Zion. I think going worth it through it is worthwhile because I really do believe that knowing the specifics of what you're talking about, if you happen to ever get into an argument with someone who believes this bullshit, you're not going to be able to confront what they believe unless you know to some extent what they're talking about. Unless you know the details. Like, everyone knows the protocols are bullshit. I'm sure all of our listeners do. But did you know the kinds of things it was saying before today? You probably had a general sense if it was saying the Jews control the world. But you probably didn't know the level to which it directly parallels the talking points of the right today. That's my guess. And that's why I I think it is... I I don't think I knew that. Yeah. And that's why I think it is so important to go over and look at these things. It's why... I read and look at copies of all this terrible, horrible, awful shit. It's why mm-hmm. I bought and read the Turner Diaries. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's important to know where these things come from and where they go. So you can spot them in the wild, as it were. But, um, anyways, thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. And remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash mygbc and become a patron. For as little as $1 an episode for patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, early releases of all our episodes, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons. J.D. Mainguest found the song. Yes, you did. George Saulnier, Tinker's Dam, Janet Yutter, Stefan, Shannon Hailman, Utah Outcast, Pause, Brent Lee, David Garrido, Dave Barwick, Dodd Snow, Chris Palmer, Bad Bible Stitches, Ellie Bartlett, Mockingbird Nation, Bacraw, Benjamin Carlisle, Dexter, Allison, Megan Ruth, Glowrung the Deceiver, Big Easy Blasphemy, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, AJ Brantley, Taro Takanen, and Balls Watterson. Thank you all as always for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, everybody dance now! Goodbye. Goodbye. podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.